Hey, After Buzzers, welcome to the after show for Still Star Across All the Worlds of Stage. We're talking all about Season 1, Episode 3. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. A little more upbeat today. Goes with the theme of the episode. <laughs> hey guys, my name is Candace Cruz, and you can find me on all my social media at Candace R. Cruz. And I'm joined with my co host. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. I'm Olivia Gabret. You can hit me up at The Real OG. She is the real OG. I love typing that in every day when I'm looking for your (laughs) stuff. I'm like, real OG, she is. I even like the hat today. Yeah. Gold styling. Yeah, you are. Gold, not golds. Right. Not 40,000 ducats worth of gold. That was a whole conversation we just had before because we were trying to figure out how much this dowry was worth. Yeah, and if it's accurate, I'm. we looked it up and what was it that one ducat was worth? Like, over 80 was it i think they said like a thousand ducats was like eighty thousand now yeah which so I, that's a lot of money yeah if that's if that's accurate in that time yeah. 80 times forty thousand. i don't know math i went to art school but that Same. sounds like a lot of money <laughs> <laughs> she's worth a lot yeah let's just put it that way <laughs> this whole episode was so intense. I got a lot of tweets from people before we came on. I know. And everyone's saying they loved this episode. It well, was one of their favorites. Actually, I mean, some of our predictions started coming yeah. true. Which, yeah, we did. Of course, I like when I'm right. Who doesn't like when they're right? Always. And there was a lot more action, of course, which yeah. I enjoyed. Less dialogue, more action. Love. All right. There's ghosts. Love, ghosts, bombs. We got it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll start off with the betrothal since we were talking about the 40,000 ducats worth of everything. I feel like the betrothal was the entire like underlining theme of this whole episode because first two episodes we were trying to like get all the characters in order and then they're talking about getting the pairing and now it's set in stone like Benvolio and Rosalind are to be wed. Mm -hmm. Um, And I loved seeing like uh, Rosalind starting to play her power a little bit more. With this betrothal, especially with Prince Aeschylus, because she knows now the prince is in love and she's pissed. Well, it's I like it because now she's finally she's playing the game Mm -hmm. because when you're stuck in a shitty situation like that, you have to play the hand that you're dealt, you know, and of course. Her relationship with Aeschylus isn't ideal, but we know that they have feelings for each other. And if he's going to put her in this messed up situation, you better believe she's going to get back at him for it. And, you know, make him a little bit jealous, jealous, salty, uncomfortable. Oh, he is. And oh, that he is. Very much so. <laughs> I love the opening scene where she's having lunch with um, Princess Isabel and he mm-hmm. comes in and she's like, we are just talking about how excited I am that I'm getting married. And he's like. Pet tea. Wait, what? <laughs> Not happy. And as well like, <laughs> wait, we were? were? <laughs> it was so good. I love it so much. I mean, even when she confronts her uncle later on, like, Rosalind really takes her power with this whole betrothal. Mm-hmm. Um, because it goes from the highs and lows. Obviously, she doesn't want this to happen. Like, we know that, that there is no way she actually wants to get married to Benvolio. But she even puts her ground down with... Her uncle saying, mm-hmm. listen, if I'm going to be betrothed, we're doing it on my terms. 
again, but I like it because mm-hmm. she knows that it has to happen either way. So granted, it's not something that she's exactly comfortable with and she's not getting really, I mean, personally, she's not getting anything out of the marriage because it's something that she doesn't want. Right. However, she's going to make it so she gets something out of the marriage. And we all know about her relationship with her sister and how much she truly cares about her. Mm-hmm. So, of course, she's going to bring her along for the ride and ensure that she's she's golden when she leaves. Because that would be messed up for her to get off and be married and her sister be stuck there being a servant when in reality her sister's the one that wants to get married, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, it sucks that she couldn't just pass it along and be like, Livia gets to get Yeah, it would be way easier that way. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll talk a little bit more about Livia in a minute because I'm all obsessed with, like, this Livia and Paris uh-huh. dynamic. But, I mean, I I find it, like, this whole betrothal of both of them, like, with Benvolio being in love with another character. What was her name? She was the prostitute yes Uh, i'm not sure of her name i can't remember her name but he is in love with her i have it written down somewhere we'll find it somewhere whenever we go through all this but um you know him wanting to run away like they're both trying to run away from this because clearly this was not their destiny like he even makes it clear when he's talking to his uncle saying i wish that romeo and juliet would have been alive right i mean because who wants their destiny chosen for them could you Mm. imagine being in a family and it having your mom and dad choose who you spend the rest of your life with, but not even your mom and dad, having your uncle basically choose your fate for you. And he didn't exactly grow up thinking that this was going to be the role in his family. Mm. This was Romeo's role. And now he has to fill Romeo's shoes and, and follow all of the steps and the lifestyle that Romeo would have had to follow. Yeah. And I feel for Rosalind, too, because she's getting married into a family that literally killed her father. Well, to her understanding at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of twists, so I could easily be someone that is conspiring against these two families. Yeah. I mean, I, I won't bring it up now, but I just think that what we did see happen later in the episode has a much deeper root mm-hmm. rather than just like these occurrence occurrences lately. Yeah. I have a feeling that it's rooted way into the past that has contributed to this feud between the two families. Yeah. And I do like that there is obviously the, the two getting married is supposed to be like a bond between the two fighting families. And I feel like Benvolio and Rosalind are starting to have their own alliances of sorts. Mm-hmm. May not be a loving alliance, but they have a common goal right. of and not getting married. I you knew that I mean? that was going to happen yeah. because they're both strong-minded people. I mean, they're both strong people and they're both very smart people. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, you know, you're you're given this deck, right? You're giving you're given these resources and you have to make the best of it. Mm-hmm. So, now you have a partner. It may not be a partner you're in love with, but it's a partner that you have a common goal with. Yep. So, you know, use each other to get to where you each want to be. Yeah. The gazebo scene really proved that, too, of them having the conversation of him being mm-hmm. like, listen, I know you want to be a nun, and I clearly don't want to marry you, so let's figure out a way to get you yeah, to the like, nunnery here. It's a win-win. Exactly. I'll run off. You run off. We're all happy mm-hmm. in the long run. And it's kind of cool that they're both in on it because one of them could easily just run away and disappear and not tell the other. Yeah. And I would imagine that would leave the other person in an embarrassing or sticky situation. And 
don't know. These uncles, though, like these two uncles, and they're they're so conniving, mm-hmm. especially with even when we were talking about the ducats. Which, if anyone knows how much an actual ducat is worth and how much she's getting paid for, <laughs> I want to know. Well, did you see that chest of gold? It like was that huge. thing was deep. <laughs> <laughs> I want that much gold. When I get married, give that much yeah. gold to my family, right? Like, what I'll happened to anyone for 40 ducats? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't. But really, though. But <laughs> the thing with the uncles is they both have an underlying motive mm-hmm. that really has nothing to do with their niece or their nephew. No, none. It's more rooted in their own selfish ways. And, you know, it's unfortunate because, I mean, if it wasn't obvious enough that they really did not give a shit about these family members, it's pretty obvious now because mm-hmm. they, both Rosalind and Benvolio voiced that this would make them unhappy, that they didn't want to do it. But, of course, Lord Montague wants the name and the power and now the um, church that they're building. Yeah. It's a church. Yeah. What do they call it? It's a cathedral. Cathedral. Yes. And obviously um, Lord Capulet needs money. Yeah. No, I I mean, Lord Montague's sneaky. Like, I give it to Capulet. Like, but he's having his own issues right now as it is. Mm-hmm. Lord Montague is plotting he really, he's plotting deep. <laughs> really deep. Like, offering 20000 Still, I don't know what this is worth, but him, like, being, oh, she's only worth 20000 mm-hmm. And then Capulet being like, uh-uh, no, it's well, 40000 that's, that's a typical... Negotiation. Yes. yes you, always, but you always say no to the first offer. You, you know... You gotta work your way up. Yes. But Montague, I think, is shooting low because he wants... Capulet to come out and be like talking about his debt. Mm -hmm. He is trying to plot and frame this guy so that he knows. Because as we saw in the previous episode a couple weeks ago, now that we had a hiatus last week, um, that, you know, Capulet killed his architect. Right. And I mean, it makes perfect sense because he needs a stall. Yeah. He, and he needs a reason for why Mm -hmm. the cathedral has been like put on pause He can't say I ran out of money and I can't do it anymore. But oh, my architect died, so like it just buys him time. He slipped and fell. Well, I mean, Montague picked it up though real quick. Like halfway mm-hmm. through the episode, he's like, you know, that architect didn't die on his own accord. He like got yeah. pushed. Well, because he knew. Because of, of course. course, Benvolio was spying and got the inside scoop. And I mean, to anybody that had that type of information, it's very obvious as to why Capulet was doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. You, it's funny how he's playing it now because when he went to the princess and he's trying to finesse his way into finishing the cathedral, mm-hmm. knowing that he he now would have the power to do so because there's no one really to stop him. Oh no! It has to it has to get built, and he knows exactly what to say in order for it to get built. He knows the princess is so obsessed with making Verona look a certain way and have a certain respect and if it's a broken city with a half-built cathedral like what what kind of look is that it has to be like a very royal you know clean respectable looking place Mm -hmm. and she was on to him of course because she's very intelligent she knows what's up and she knew what he was trying to do, take it out from under the Capulets, but he spun it in a way so it would be empowering to women and be a good look for her. And, of course, she's like, okay. 
she that moment that they had um, under the gazebo. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to talk a little bit about the relationship. Like, the, it was almost like a three way little relationship of like Prince Escalus. Mm-hmm. Basically shutting his sister down. This is the first time that I've seen Prince Aeschylus, like, exude power over his sister. Like, full-on, like, we're not going to talk about that. Let the men talk. Right. And you could see in her eyes that she was not having it. Mm -hmm. Like, she just wanted to have good relationships and play the part. Like, play the part of princess, schmooze the people that were coming, that they were proving that the betrothal was going on, that Verona is becoming a happier place and that the the families are going to be bonded and then prince Aeschylus, i think is still trying too damn hard like he's literally trying to force everything so hard and he's almost strangling it mm-hmm. and then the princess is as you know montague caught on that look that moment was so like crucial for me that i saw i was like something's gonna happen exactly. just that one moment of the eye contact of him watching realizing that the princess is way more like her father than the prince. Because, of course, the prince got sent away. Yes. And was learning to rule from other nations or other locations within Italy. But, um, like, her power just came in full force. Right. And that's... But, you see, that's exactly what I mean about Montague. Mm-hmm. He knows how to spin everything in his favor. He's very observant. He pays attention to the politics of things and how things work out. And he finds his the perfect route yeah. where he could slide in out from underneath and take whatever he wants. And I'm sure that, I mean, that's the way that their family in particular probably has to run things because they didn't come from old power nope. and old money. It's something that they had to gain and build on their own so i'm sure those tactics had gotten him where he is where he is today Mm -hmm. and probably will take him like it will he will surpass where he is now um but it's interesting that you do say that how aeschylus is really trying to exercise his power and prove himself because there's been multiple times in this episode where he exercised his like manhood and and power as a man over his sister mm-hmm. you know even in the attack at the end he originally she told the servant to help Aeschylus out but he he made the servant go and grab her and take her away regardless of what she said and he had to listen to the prince because he's the prince because yep. he's the man in the family and he holds that power I think she's so sly that, I mean, even with, like, she called out Montague on his slickness. Like, he's slick. Mm-hmm. He, no doubt about it. Like, he is very conniving. He knows how to, like, one-up and to be the smarter person in the room, mm-hmm. per se. Or um, more of, like, calculated person in the room. But the princess is on to him. And I think she's also, like, making her way to almost not overthrow her brother, but... I think she's just biting her tongue. I think she really is going to end up being the leader, and he's not going to know it. He's not going to realize that she's actually the one ruling the household because she's smart, and she's doing those calculated moves. Like, if she's letting Montague take over that cathedral, right there she has the biggest card in her hand over her brother. And, like, even the conversation, she shows no weakness versus he shows a lot. Like, he's overcompensating and trying to show his masculinity and trying to, like, overcompensate for all of it. And later on, he even says, why is it that I have the power to kill someone with only three words? Mm -hmm. He said, I took the life of however many men only by saying the word. And she said, because you are the prince. 
And she continues to believe that. And she will keep that held strong versus he's like already crumbling underneath all of it. You have to, I think that you have to work smarter rather Mm -hmm. than harder. And he's doing the most right now. You know what I mean? He's doing everything he can just to show his power off and make sure that he can maintain his power at the top where she's kind of... She's she's holding back, but she's mm-hmm. watching everything happen, and she's cal- calculating it out, and she's thinking everything through because she's working smart. Mm-hmm. And in the long run, the person who works smarter is going to last the longest, yep. as opposed uh, like as opposed to someone who's putting their all into you know this one thing, and they're then like they're going to get burnt out. Yeah, because exactly. they're not really seeing anything else that's happening around them. They only have their eye on the prize mm-hmm. and on one route to get there. Yeah. Versus, she was very like she was schmoozing the right people, making sure like she attended to. I mean, obviously, you guys watched the episode, so there's a bomb at the end. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> not to alert, drop the bomb. Not to drop the bomb on it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but she went directly to the ambassador of of Venice Mm -hmm. because she knows that this is their one and only shot to prove to these outlying societies that Verona is not on the cusp of crumbling. Exactly. And it's ironic because she makes the move to save it at that moment Mm -hmm. where Aeschylus took that moment away from her Mm -hmm. and and made her leave and remove herself from the situation. And in the long run, that could potentially screw them. Yeah, she even said, it's your head, not mine. Yeah. So she knows that, too. She's like, I think she's trying to help her brother out, but at the same time, she's just like, I I can only do so much. I'm going to work smarter, not harder, like Mm -hmm. we talked about. Yeah, I agree. That whole dynamic, I'm interested to see how much the princess and uh, Lord Montague actually interact, or if this is just like a one-sided, like, she'll give it to him and then... We won't see anything for them for a while. Yeah, I mean, I think that she's going to ask... She'll exercise her power over the cathedral one way or another. Mm -hmm. I I don't see herself just giving it to him and letting him do what he wants with it. She probably is going to use him for, like, the labor and the money and everything that goes into it. And it will be hers. But it ultimately would be hers. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That whole, like, dynamic between them. And then, like, on the other token, poor Lord Capulet, he's literally, like, already arguing against Montague. Mm -hmm. He's got all of that. And then now he's dealing with – he's starting to have, like, night terrors, I think. Or he's, like – he's not himself. Right. He's have I think, his internal issues, that his issues that are, one, happening in his family and his Mm -hmm. marriage and his emotional issues and his – Decision. I mean, he's not really grieving in the correct manner and dealing with everything. And that's why he's seeing Juliet's ghosts and all of this is haunting him. He has so much on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Like, all of it. And we even see, like, a stack of, like, all the bills doing stuff. So I don't think we really understand how deep Lord Capulet is in the hole right now. I, I, I like, feel a little bit bad for him. I do, because his like daughter better died. Than the, I like him better than Lord Montague. I think that there's better intentions, yeah. like, more heartfelt intentions from Capulet versus Montague, I feel like, is so just out to keep his status, keep his money. I mean, even Montague's advice to Benvolio saying... I don't care what you do after you provide an heir. Once you provide an heir, you can go do whatever your heart desires with whoever you want to. But Capulet, I think, is literally trying to do it with the 
the best intentions possible. <laughs> possible given the situation. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think him with the architect, he keeps having flashbacks from that. At first, I thought the ghost was the, ar- was the architect. I mean, it would make sense because he would be haunting him right? for killing him. <laughs> but, I mean, the fact that we're seeing Juliet's ghost, mm-hmm. that was a twist I didn't expect. I know, but it's it's just very ironic because obviously the death of a child takes a toll on a marriage. Mm-hmm. Never mind a marriage that was already crumbling to begin. Where a woman, with. the woman, didn't even want to be in the marriage to begin with. You know, it just goes to show that I think you know when you're having internal struggles, it's it's only so long before it everything else expands collapses. and just all of a sudden, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. Everything else comes down with it. Yeah. I mean, I did see Still Starcross tweet out, like, beware. Like, just that. Mm -hmm. From what Juliet's warning was at the end whenever Lord Capulet sees her. So, I have a feeling this ghost of Juliet is going to be pretty pertinent throughout the entire rest of the season. Yeah, maybe she'll serve as kind of a light to the future. Mm -hmm. I mean, not a positive one, but, you know, giving, giving warnings and kind of foreshadowing things that potentially could happen it gave me a little like uh, a christmas story vibes not gonna yes lie. yeah a lot of that but i still find it kind of creepy that they actually had like her body still there like how long has it been since she died yeah i wonder i mean well it was a different time obviously but like because to leave the body, body was you know yeah but it was accessible as well mm-hmm. so maybe they preserve it in that way i don't really know i find that fascinating because like he touched her too and that kind of like gave me the heebie-jeebies i mean it would start like rotting and eventually yeah i mean the health wasn't that good back then like they i guess they just didn't understand television it is television too but (laughs) i get so intense on these things i'm like why is the body still out you need to bury her i know come on shows like these they're very detail oriented Mm -hmm. so it obviously serves a purpose as to why they still have the body around. Yeah. And the nurses heed to, like, Lord Capulet to actually grieve and stuff. I mm-hmm. mean, he's really trying to, like, he tried to have a moment with his wife, and she just shut it down. I mean, I don't care for her. I don't I like don't her. think anybody really does. No, but, I mean, I can understand losing your only daughter and her grieving in that way, but she's just a little too extreme. Mm-hmm. Well, she knows something. I mean, she knows something's up, but to... To what extent, really? I almost think that she she's thinking more of it than it actually was. Yeah, she's focusing on Rosalind, thinking Rosalind had something to do with it versus Which the fact that she kind of did because she was aware of it. Oh yeah, but I mean, not with the intention of Juliet dying being the outcome. No, because no. I mean, Rose, Rosalind loved Juliet. Like yeah. that was like her cousin. But I I don't know. Like I feel like. Lady Capulet is going to unravel something because if she comes out and figures out that it was Romeo and Juliet, I feel like that will make the war against the Capulet Montagues like grow even. Oh yeah, of wider. course, because she loves she loves stirring the pot. <laughs> she loves the drama. Yeah, I guess she's just there for dramatic purposes anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, her wanting to keep Paris away. I still don't know why she's keeping Paris away from the Locked outside up. world. Yeah, he's not even allowed to you know walk the garden be outside at all he has Mm-mm. to be inside at all times and i'm thinking you know what does his family think back home do they think he's dead he disappeared right? like because he no was marrying juliet so him. juliet would have brought, brought back to his 
family, correct? Yes. Yeah. So he would have been married into his, in his family. family. That's. I, I think it's very strange. Maybe that's something that we're going to revisit in the future because they are so nervous about having feuds with different areas, yeah. you know? And Paris is so... he. I mean, he's like royal. He has money. He has power. Mm-hmm. I don't really see a family of that caliber... Just letting their son run yes. away and, like, not and come back. And forgetting about it. Yeah, I agree. But speaking of Paris and Livia... I love this little duo. I know. I knew, But, you know, we knew it was going to happen. We did. We predicted that. But I love... The relationship so much there because it's it genuine you know why it sticks out so much is because it's honestly the only genuine relationship in the entire show yes every relationship in, in the show is not built on feelings mm-hmm. or love it's built on stature yeah and money yes. and all of that no i love the dynamic and the love of paris and livia and seeing how that's going to grow because like I mean, even going back to when um, Rosalind said, I can't leave you. And Livia's like already knowing that Paris is in love with her. She's like, no, go, go do what you wanted to do. I'll be fine. I promise you. I can't tell you mm-hmm. why, but I'll be fine. But why can't she just because she didn't want to let her sister know about like, yeah. did, I Rosalind doesn't even really know that Paris is still alive, exists, al- nothing is alive and is living in the same house. Mm-mm. And it's kind of strange that. Livia wouldn't tell her sister something like that since they are so close. I feel like there's, I mean, if she would have told Rosalind, like Rosalind isn't one for confrontation at this point. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like she's willing to go against and above and beyond. So, like, Livia knows not to tell her and add one more thing to her plate. And, like, rot herself, or rat rat herself out. Rat herself out to to Lady Capulet. Because, I mean, she's not supposed to be visiting with Paris. She's not supposed to be taking care of him. All of that good stuff. I guess, yeah. Maybe she just didn't want to ruin a good thing. Yeah. I loved the line where they were out in the garden and he's trying to kiss her. And she's like, I'm still a lady. I may be a servant, but I'm still a lady. You can't kiss me. I know. So they don't kiss until they're married? Nope. Nope. (laughs) Okay. I mean, for Christ's sake, when they had a betrothal and they're tying a ribbon around their wrist saying, you're getting engaged, but not for a really long time. Like, you're not getting married, but I'm tying a ribbon around your wrist and you're, like, stuck. So it's, like, the engagement for the engagement? Yes. Very strange. But okay. So much, like, ceremony and pomp and circumstance of all of this mm-hmm. stuff. I find it I fascinating. I guess they just, they got to lock it down. No pun intended. <laughs> You know. But no, I loved that relationship between Paris and Livia. I think it's a nice, like, relief from all the other intensity. Mm-hmm. It's like that heartwarming relationship between the two of them. Which I think Benvolio and Rosalind are ultimately going to have. I think they're going to end up in love because they're working together and they're forced to have so much time together. The look looks Benvolio gives her are just like... Saucy. I, almost, I almost feel like they do like each other. Yeah. And they're, they are, like they hate love each other. Right. They both have too much pride to even go there. Yes. But I bet you something's going to happen where they're going to have to like work together to save each other's lives. And then they're going to kiss. They're <laughs> going to kiss eventually. We know that. But yeah. like he already saved her from her rapist that was supposed to happen in the first episode. Like mm-hmm. he has saved her on multiple occasions. So either he's just a really good guy. Which I think he is. Which he is. But I think he also has a soft spot for her. No, I, I agree. He he doesn't want to admit it. And I think, especially because it wasn't his decision, 
mm-hmm. and he's a stubborn person. But, you know, by the end when we, we had the ceremony and then we saw the bombing, it's like they both had the same instinct. Go a- go after him. No, Rosalind took the charge on that she one. She did, though, but, too, he, but he was like, okay. Yeah, he could have he could have stayed back. He didn't have to, you know. Technically, he was tied to I her. I mean, but- they were tied, but like you could untie it. <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. I mean, I I feel for that whole relationship if we're talking about the ceremony with um the the love square. It's not even a love triangle. Mm-hmm. It's a love square of like Benvolio's love of I really want to find Does out her he name. Does genuine love her, genuinely love her? I think so. I mean, he wanted to run away with her. Right. Like, he but- literally asked to run away with her and be like, I want to go and become, you know, a blacksmith and we'll go off to wherever, Venice or but something But I think, like but I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not sure if I believe that he really genuinely loves her. Or Maybe he's he just infatuated needs, with her. He needs like a partner in crime. Of course. And she doesn't Stella. really she doesn't really have anything to lose exactly. No. no, but she's smart. Like if we're talking about that relationship of mm-hmm. um, Stella is her name, I found it. Benvolio and Stella. Like she even warns him. She's like, You need to you don't need to be here. Like you mm-hmm. need to do what you need to do. And that look on her face when she's at the ceremony and seeing that He's getting betrothed to Rosalind. Like, it broke my heart to see that. And then Aeschylus is really, like, look on his face when he's I watching mean, he this happen. I mean, he expresses the fact that it bothers him. But I don't, you know, I don't want to feel bad for him. But I do, in a way, because as messed up as it is, I understand why he's doing it. I mean, in a way, he's kind of, he's saving Rosalind, mm-hmm. you know? It, he could save her by marrying him herself, but it wouldn't have the same effect. No, it wouldn't do any of that. And I think in the long run, it would basically have the crumble of Verona. I think yeah. he's doing what he has to do, but it's still, I do feel bad for him. Like, I don't, I don't judge Aeschylus for all of his, like, decisions because I think it's coming from, like, he's really trying, but he's mm-hmm. trying too hard. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where I find his fault is that he's overcompensating versus, like, He's doing what he feels is best. Like, he's sacrificing himself. Like, his one true love is getting married to the person that she actually despises. And you can tell that it's breaking him. I feel bad. I feel like he's breaking in a lot more ways than one. Right. The poor guy. His head's going to be on the chopping block if Verona falls. Like, he lost his one true love. His sister's going to overthrow him, I guarantee it. Poor Aeschylus. Taking L's left and right. Literally. He is taking L's everywhere. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see him lasting very, very long at the top. No. I mean, but I, I think ultimately he's kind of caused this on himself. Like, Rosalind's going to fall in love with Benvolio after this all this argument. We Do have you some see people it? We have some people in the... Oh, look at that. I can't read all of it. Lord Capulet is overwhelmed with grief. Yeah. We know that's for sure. Paris and Livia are adorable. I love them too. Behavior. Can't, I can't. We can't read all this. Like I we need our I spectacles. Like I can't read. Oh, they're zooming it in. Thank you so much. I'm quite fed up with the prince and his behavior towards Rosalind. All these mixed feelings and messages he sends her is quite tedious. I agree that one episode where it literally was like every five minutes was back and forth. Yeah, like, but it's like he, I love you. I don't love, love you. I love her. you. He, yeah, but come on. Like that was too much. That's like high school stuff. Like. I like you, but I don't like you, but I like you. 
<laughs> he likes her. He's just doing what he thinks is best for her. Yeah. At the moment. Yeah. Well, Rosalind is taking charge and she, I loved her combativeness with him. He's like, why are you teasing me? And she's like, me? Yeah. She, you know, you, you can, can call, this, call off. this off. It's on you. <laughs> I like, feel like that's me. That's me, AF. I would de- definitely be that petty. Like, oh, you want to you wanna play this? Fine. This is what you're doing, so why don't you just call this off? I'll be yeah, happier that exactly. way. We could end up together. Yeah, but, you know, do what you will. Sorry. Well, to bring up I'll the... I'll live either way. Right? The dramatics of uh, the bomb. Like, yeah. this betrothal is the death of a couple people. Literally. And figuratively. I... I mean... So we find out that the the man um, who set this bomb off also was the one that tried to rape Rosalind. Correct. Has a Montague name. Yes. Isn't necessarily a blood re- blood relation. He's br- blood related, but he's not of the stature that like Benvolio is. I think like it seems that there's he's like a long low yeah. tier because all these people the whole town is broken up by like montagues and capulets so mm-hmm. i feel like they're the townspeople versus the like hierarchy of the lords so uh-huh. he's scum to benvolio like he does not like trucio i think he was also the one taunting him in the bar yeah that he got in the fight with i mean i yes i i agree with that as well it's obvious that this person is a troublemaker in more ways than one and mm-hmm. likes to stir the pot. And now, I mean, we don't we don't know for sure, but I'm going to go ahead and assume that he or the people... His group. Yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely more where he came from. Mm-hmm. I don't oh, yeah. think that he's acting alone be, based on what he had said before he died. He said he will never or this war will never end. He will never allow it. So this he we have no idea who this he person is like who right. is running this show. Because when Trucio did the shot of the bomb, um, he said, here's a wedding gift for this horrible union or to whatever extent of what he said. And then runs away. He did not declare which house he was his alliances. Mm-hmm. He didn't say for the House of Montague. He didn't say for the House of Capulet. So Rosalind's smart and calls it out. And they start putting the puzzle pieces together. I love seeing this dynamic, like, trying to figure out all of it and, like, figuring out who he's working for. Because he, they figured, ugh, I keep saying, repeating the same thing. Help me here. They figured, what do you mean? Well, they figured out that it's not... Um, on one party, that Trucio is working for a bigger party. Oh, that right. they're basically their demise is coming from an outside source putting the two families together. Figured it out. I figured out how to right. say all it. It could be an outside yes. source, or it could really just be, you know, it could it could be an inside source, and it's just the people at the bottom, you know, trying, trying to, to overtake the people at the top. Because it could be that you know. People in general, especially in a situation or setting like that where history is so strongly rooted and contributes to their relationship to this day, like the relationship between each of the families, that some people maybe aren't aren't ready for a big change like that. They mm-hmm. want to be true to their house and true to their family, and they almost see it as like a betrayal to 
wed the enemy. You know what I mean? Yeah, because they've been raised that way. Exactly. They've been killing brother against brother, essentially. But whether it's from the inside or the outside, it's a group of people that are unhappy about the two houses becoming an alliance. And we saw that earlier with the harlot in the first episode and then the second episode of Romeo being like, you know, dismembered. I think it's all one party. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say is all these terrible acts that have been happening throughout each of the episodes, whether it was the dismembering of Romeo or, you know, at the funerals of Romeo and Juliet, how the the figure was ruined or vandalized. Mm-hmm. And th- there are just the little things that keep on happening that are stirring the pot and creating more trouble for the families so you know that obviously is done on purpose for a reason Mm -hmm. and now we know that someone is actively trying to keep the war going so it would only make sense for them to be continually doing these things but now it's from a different perspective because so many people saw this man and they saw him as just a man, not as a Capulet man, not as a... He was completely Montague man, mm-hmm. exactly. So now people know that there's a third party involved, that it's not really coming from within that's continuously trying to contribute to this war of the families. So, you know, it brought Ro- Rosalind and Benvolio together to work together, but it could also bring the two families, the two lords together to try to figure out who this person is and why they're doing that and i think i agree with that and i also think to the extent of like all of the parties were gathered together to see this betrothal Mm -hmm. and a lot of people died within that bomb and within like the two families both equally they were both hurt and killed and Mm -hmm. lost a lot of lives within their families so i think that they may bond together but i don't know if they even realize that it could be completely outside source yeah, you know, I mean, I could They're going to blame, like, it could also be the opposite, where they're blaming one another. Right, well, you know Lady Capulet is going to be the first one to of blame it on a Montague. But I was also thinking that, I mean, aside from the fact that uh, he's referring to a he, mm-hmm. there was someone on the street that brought the straw figures in to be shot, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that we already know that it's it's a team up right there. There was yeah. someone at the top shooting and there was someone at the bottom setting it up. Mm-hmm. So this was a preconceived situation we got going on here mm-hmm. and it took more than one person to execute it. There was one other thing that I um, caught on to and I don't know if we're going to figure out what it was or not until later on. But Lord Capulet paused during all the smoke moving. And I don't know whether it's because he's being haunted or what in the world is going on, but he took a moment and like literally walked into the fire and was just staring off into oblivion. Mm-hmm. And even Lady Capulet called it out and was calling out to him being like, come back right, over here. Right. What was he seeing? I like, he is he haunted see- by his own. Maybe, or maybe it had something to do with like, he knows who's behind all of this. Maybe he saw someone that like, is against the family. Something I don't know. Something's ringing a bell. Something's got to be going on. But he's he's completely tormented right now. But I'm wondering if that has something to do with the ghost or someone else. That's my only like yeah. question. I think left he was already this. feeling guilty about this situation, mm-hmm. and now this is just contributing to it. Yeah. So he's he's feeling a way about it. I mean, he kind of should. Yeah. All parties involved should. The only well. I don't think there's any innocent parties in this whole group. I was going to say Rosalind and Benvolio are, but 
even then they're not. I mean, they are, but forcefully they can't be. Right. Livia is the only pure one. Yeah, so far. <laughs> so far. I, I wonder if Paris has anything to do with it, too. I wonder if he's been brought in and he's like the Trojan horse that was coming into Mary. Yeah. Or maybe it's someone from his home that's coming in and destroying all this. I don't know. Could be. Because it was his his wedding supposed to happen, but now his wife's dead and he's missing. And, uh... There's so much in this episode and so much in the show. Like, I've been following on social media, seeing everybody, and there's a lot of conversation about it. Right. But I'm glad something finally happened to switch up the storyline mm-hmm. a little because there's only so many times one family could do something to the other, and then the other family could do something to the other. Then they blame it on this one. They blame it on that one. I like now that there's a common enemy, so forcefully the dynamic between the two is going to have to change, whether it's for the positive or the negative. Right. And there has to be longevity within this show. I always try to remind myself when I'm watching a show, unless it's a limited like season and it's only supposed to be for one season, ideally the writers would make something that in-depth that mm-hmm. would be able to go for a long time. So I don't think we're going to figure this out anytime soon, but... Um, I always have this rule, this three-episode rule when it comes to, like, new shows. What's that? Is that every first season, it takes up to episode three for it to get really, really good. Now, that's not for every show. Like, I've seen some shows where they pick up right off the bat in, like, first episode, you're hooked. But I feel like it takes episode one and episode two to kind of, like, set up the world, set up what's happening, and, like... It can be really in-depth and really good, but it's not going to really, like, hook you until episode three when you're like, oh. So do you typically give all your shows a, a three-episode grace period? I do, actually. I should, I should I, work on I that. I get to the third episode, and I'm like, if I get halfway through episode three and I'm still bored, I'm like, done. Sorry, bye. Off. I have, like, a three-minute rule. You have a three-minute rule? I know a three episode. She has three minutes. I'm we like, this three is minutes. boring after three minutes. I can't watch this. <laughs> well, Not this has minutes, never been boring. Know. That's for yeah. sure. But I feel like I, I totally agree with you on that of like, it was so much still embedded within the storyline of Romeo and Juliet that I was kind of anxious. For right. It but to I get think it's cool. Of. It's cool because it's a play on a story that we all know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's we all know the, the classic story of Romeo and Juliet and the fact that we're taking it in a world beyond that right is intriguing and it's giving it a current spin even though it is a period piece and they're sticking very close to the period and being very accurate with like their their clothing choices and um all of the like language and everything else i feel like they're tackling issues like with feminism they're dealing with uh the race issue of like making sure that it's very diverse mm-hmm. like hollywood is becoming more and more diverse which is something i'm excited about but seeing all of that common thread and I've been watching more and more interviews about it and um, with the actors and their conversations about it and conversations about the fashion. And I love how like much present day is being put in there so like easily. It's very fluid. Right. I agree. And, you know, to speak on the language, I think that I like this show so much more than I typically like Shakespeare pieces, whether they're 
you know, old or they're current mm-hmm. because of the way, because I can understand what they're saying. Right. It's so frustrating to me. I mean, I don't, maybe it's easy for you. Maybe it's easy for you, but it's, it's extremely hard for me to, to get into a show and be able to follow it when they're using all this, this old, you know, what, what is that even called? The Shakespearean language, mm-hmm. I guess. I, I, I agree. I think if you're not versed in Shakespeare, which is, a, I mean, a whole big deal. Like, if you're going to theater school, there's a whole course on Shakespeare. Right. There's so much to it. Because almost every story has some essence of Shakespeare, which Shakespeare even got from, like, before all of that, if we're getting, like, really hypothetical with, like, theater and stuff. But I think it's so unfortunate that so much of Shakespeare sometimes is lost because it isn't a common language. You can't... Un- it's it's not easily understood. Uh, and as much as all. I wish... Because these stories are so... They're so famous and they're mm-hmm. so heavy and they have all these underlying messages Like and Taming lessons. of the Shrew was she, She's a Man. If anyone's ever watched that, that's Taming of the Shrew. It was yeah. based off of Shakespeare. So it's right. like... And so many know. modern day pieces are either based or inspired by Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've always struggled with understanding the language. And I think that, you know, going back and reading Romeo and Juliet in middle school, I probably would have been able to appreciate it a lot more if my teacher took the time to break down what exactly 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 they were saying oh i agree i didn't i mean i'm not all of this that i'm saying i don't really completely understand right. that language like i appreciate it but when i was in high school i had the spark notes because you can get yes. the book now that literally has, has shakespeare yeah. and regular present day english but and we like, were even yeah. talking about like the leonardo dicaprio it Romeo was all and Juliet. In shakespeare yeah and like, it's like what the hell what are you saying? Mm-hmm. I think I, the only thing that I did like about that, though, is that if the, if you're going to have one or the other, at least you had the language, but you met it with present day. Like you had the guns, you had the helicopters and everything. So it made it a little bit yeah. more like visually. You're like, oh, I get you're it. Understanding what's happening. But I like how they are merging the two with this mm-hmm. one. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a it's a modern twist, but still respecting the fact that it's, it's definitely a, a period drama, drama. Yeah. Type show. Yeah. Well, guys, hit us up and let us know, like, your thoughts, your predictions. Like, it's been a very... I feel like this is going to be coming the next fandom with Shondaland. Yeah. Yeah, because so many people are talking about it and all these relationships and stuff. Right. And again, you know, it's a story we're all familiar with, so it's definitely something worth giving a chance to. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm excited for episode four. Well, guys, I hope you liked our new time, too. We're now going to be on Tuesdays at 10 rather than Thursday. So we're closer to the actual airing of the episode. We had some people ask us saying, why are you doing it so late in the week? So now we're finally finally up there. We'll be more um, timely with it. More timely with it. But um, I think that pretty much wraps up. All the world's a stage. It does. Indeed. It was it was a very intense dramatic episode to say the least i had two pages full of notes but um you guys hit us up comment um like this show and follow us on after buzz and you can find me again my name is candace cruz find me on all my social media at candace r cruz and i'm olivia gabre you can hit me up at the real underscore o underscore g we'll see you next week bye guys 
From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.